This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Thomas Perkins and Antonio Sanciolo. You both kicked in a lot of money, and Steven's too lazy to play a blues riff on his ukulele. Either way, this one's for you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we return to Earth One, but where's Julie Schwartz? Long live the Legion and Sensor Girl's cleavage, plus Deadpool versus Hercules, but where's the booze and floozies? I don't know about you, but JLA Cry for Justice just screams out for a Nazareth soundtrack. Plus, brains. Also, brains. And in addition, brains. Then, send more cops. All this and less calories, in theory, as the Major Spoilers podcast takes to the air. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. <laughs> Rodrigo, how's that Yaris doing this week? Um, not not so great. I mean, I, I'm sure the car's doing fine. If I can ever find it under the pile, <laughs> like the mountain of snow that it's in. Holy crap! We had like ten inches of snow dump on us overnight. So Rodrigo is out at our satellite location. He's at the he's at the transmitter. Yes. 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 Like Bucky Dornster. <laughs> yes. All right. I, I spent a few nights at the transmitter, by the way, in Maple Hill, Kansas. And I got to tell you, it ain't all it's cracked up to be. It's like 12 degrees. You're sitting in a room. You got two monitors and a button. Okay. Don't even got the internet. Okay. Uh, a couple of announcements came out this week. You can read about them up on the Major Spoilers podcast. The first of them is, the hey, guess what? Website. Guess what, uh, Matthew? We're going to get yet another incarnation of batman right now we've got uh what do we have we have batman the normal batman right. we have yeah, all-star batman yeah we have the all-star batman and robin we have first wave which is that new series that is kicking off next month and, batman. and now we have dc comics announcing earth one which i think will be the gosh darn batman <laughs> he's the toned down a little bit uh not as harsh yeah. batman yeah, DC. Then, well, I tell you what, Batman. A DC announced that it will uh, launch Superman Earth One and Batman Earth One, two graphic novels spotlighting the most powerful heroes in the DC universe, with their first years and earliest uh, moments retold in a standalone original graphic novel format that is part of a whole new continuity. On the plus side, it's being written by J. Michael Straczynski, the uh, Superman title. And uh, let's see, who's writing? Uh, Jeff Johns, oh boy, will be writing Batman Year One. Or Batman Earth One, I'm sorry. Matthew, why don't we yeah. send that over to you and get some feedback? I'm troubled by this. It could be awesome. It could be. But I have a problem in that it, it, it sounds an awful lot like we're going to relaunch something. It, it really feels like we're going to do, we're going to put J. Michael Straczynski on Superman. Right, but not you know not the main Superman type. We're gonna have him in this odd continuity off to the side, and yeah, you know, it's gonna be like the Ultimate Universe. Exactly. I really feel like we're gonna get to the point where 
we're either retelling old stories with a new twist and going, and this month, Ultimate Pyro, or we're going to get to the point where we're going to do something entirely different. And if I, you know, let me ask this question. If you're going to do something entirely different, why the heck does it have to be Batman? Why does it have to be an origin story? Exactly. They're telling Batman's origin. They're telling Superman's origin. I feel like this is territory that we've already covered and covered recently. And it feels like a situation where they're trying to do too many things all at once. We're going to tell a non-Batman story or a different Batman story, but it's going to be a Batman story because that's the only thing that we know how to sell. Yes. You know, I am, I cautiously optimistic, but I have, I have a theory that this could be, you know, six months from now, 10 months from now, let's say 2011, 2012. We may look back on this the way we look at things like Comics Greatest World or Milestone. Right. Something that happened and it's not happening anymore. Rodrigo, thoughts? Um, it, it, I think what they're doing with this is kind of, um, you know, like the killing joke or I don't know if uh, Emerald Dawn was meant to be this way from the beginning, but they do something and people are like, hey, I really like this. And then, you know, all it takes is for them to say, oh, well, this is officially the origin story here. Right. In this, in this thing. Or then they turn around and write something that's very similar. I think what they are is, you know, with all these brand new origin stories going on, they're basically putting out feelers to see what people like the most. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes the de facto. Um, yeah. The, the primary origin story for the character. The other thing is, is, Personally, I'm kind of happy for it just because part of the reason why I tend to avoid DC is because I find the history particularly convoluted. Um, what with all the alternate type realities going on. So this would appeal to me, except for the fact that it's Batman and Superman right. who have been kind of done to death in a lot of ways. Right. I, I, mm -hmm. the, I think the problem that's kind of throwing a lot of people is the fact that they're setting it on Earth 1. Now, after this um, um, final post-crisis, crisis, crisis, crisis of infinite mm -hmm. crisis proportions, you know, we ended up with 52 universes, uh, 52 parallel Earths that were out there. And the one that the current title that we're reading is not Earth One, but it's called New Earth. It was never really given a designation in Final Crisis. And so I think a lot of people are thinking New Earth is Earth-1, and so that's causing some confusion, and then people are saying, hey, wait a minute, wasn't Earth-1 the Golden Age heroes uh, from no. uh, pre-crisis, and what about Earth-2, Earth and all of the, you know, now, I think, yeah. isn't it, Matthew, isn't Earth-2 the one that is now, or the Earth-2 now, wasn't it, used to be Earth-3, or or something like that? It's, it's very... When it relaunched the crime syndicate with the JLA Earth-2 thing in, like, 2001, yeah. the characters from Earth well, from let me start over. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this, this way. Is, it's this is, it's confusing. This is what I mean. It's 1965, confusing. There's Earth One. Right. Then they decided that the the heroes from the Golden Age existed on Earth Two. Right. Then they created villain versions of the heroes who existed on Earth Three. Right. So then Brent Morrison did an up to date series a few years ago called Earth Two. Right. Where characters based on the characters who came from Earth 3 in the 60s came to our Earth and named it Earth 2 because, from their perspective, their Earth was Earth 1. Yes, yeah, see, it's... So it, what you're saying is they call it Earth 1, 
<laughs> and then they came to Earth 1, which is Earth 2, but actually they're the same characters who used to be on Earth 3. I can understand Rodrigo's problems, but okay, I, me... I want to say, let let me rebut him with, with two words. Okay. Oh, you don't even have to. I Magic. understand it's it's just it's just as bad as Marvel and I'm familiar with Marvel. But Tell me about Sunfire's baby sister, Sunpire, who's a girl version of him. Uh, I can tell you about um Nightcrawler's daughter from an alternate dimension who had a thing for uh morph but not morph from Age of Apocalypse, but more from the Age of Apocalypse of a different dimension. In Let me case, ask you another question. Is it actually written into the Marvel superheroes' dental and uh, medical plan that if they are ever rendered unable to to do their duties, it, their job will be taken over by a teenage girl who wears their costume with their midriff showing? Yes, which is That's particularly true. troubling for Miss Marvel because <laughs> nobody can put on that costume. <laughs> okay, well, let me let me let me see if I can put some perspective into this. This is really, I mean, on the one hand, I think this is really good. Keeping that in perspective, ladies and gentlemen. Keeping that in perspective. Uh, if we took off the Earth One, Matthew, let me let me ask you: Would it be easier to swallow this ti- this uh, this title naming if it were actually called Superman Elseworlds? Yes, because uh, I know why they're not doing it because they're getting away from that Elseworlds branding, right? Which was a fantastic but, yeah, brand. Yeah, calling it Earth One is part of my problem because when we call it Earth One, one indicates that it's you know, it's primary that. Other interpretations are secondary. This is, this is, you know, Mark Wade did Superman's origin story three years ago. Mm-hmm. And now Jeff Johns is redoing Superman's origin story based almost, you know, bits and pieces of it feel just like Mark Wade's origin story. And now in 2010 or 11, we're going to have J.M. Straczynski telling us his origin story of a Superman who may or may not be the same Superman. It just feels like origin overload it feels like it feels like what rodrigo complained about it feels like we have earth one Mm -hmm. but roy thomas is writing infinity incorporated which takes place on earth two and we have these characters who are on on earth four and yep when we bring in the thunder agents they're going to be on earth 1966 (laughs) you know it I, 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 it, the I, name Earth One causes as much convolution as anything yes. else involved with the concept. I, I agree. I think they should have just left it as an Elseworlds because that's essentially what this is. And is they that, never should have captured Legends of the Dark Knight. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, this was a, a fantastic series that had all sorts of stuff. That's where we got the Red Rain was an Elseworlds. That's where we had Red Sun was an Elseworlds. That's where we had... Um, uh, Old Terror, the best Batman story ever. Which one? Holy Terror. Oh, yes, Bruce yes. That was, yes, as a young yes, priest. As a young priest. That, the International yes. Catholic Church. Yes. Uh, actually, Batman I think it was Presbyterian or Protestant, but yeah, yeah, that was actually really good. And then um, Gotham by Gaslight was an, an Elseworlds title as well. And, and that, it, of, of all the Batman titles ever written, that was one of them. Yes. And so I think that, you know, if they would have done that, I think that'll be a little bit interest, more interesting. Now, some people have said, hey, guess what? This is Ultimate, Ultimate DC. Which, if you've done a little digging, and I think it was Rich Johnston over there at the Bleeding uh, Bleeding Cool website, he actually went back into his old Wizard magazines. For whatever reason, he still keeps his Wizard magazines. But he dug up a, an image from a few years ago that the Wizard had done over what if DC created an Ultimate Universe, and what would those characters look like? And surprisingly, the image that we are running that DC released looks awfully similar to one that was done back in like 2000, 
when they mm-hmm. were talking about an ultimate DC universe? Well, let's look at this from my perspective. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hate Batman. The worst case scenario. I love Batman. I love Batman. A good Batman story, few and far between, but I love Batman. When you look at the Ultimates from the perspective of me, the old guy, the Ultimates was like, how do we get this to be more attractive to kids? And the answer is put more lines on their suits so it looks like they have seams in them and have them curse a lot. Yeah. And what we're looking at in that picture is a Batman costume inspired by those ultimate Avengers, those ultimate Spider-Man designs where he has ridges in his suit for no explicable reason other than to make it look more like a costume that somebody would build out of armor. Right, right. So how do you ultimize something? You stick lines in the costume. Rodrigo? Done and done. (laughs) Um, uh, Am I supposed to argue as to why uh, that's not ultimate, or am I talking about something else? No, no, no. I mean, what do you think of that? What do you think of of the the costuming and and this idea that this is an ultimate universe without coming out and saying, hey, ultimate universe? Well, it does kind of feel that way, but I'm pretty sure that the reason why this is happening and the reason why this is called Earth One is because they're setting it up to be the... um, to, to be the definitive origin story. And that way, when people call them up or people are asking around, hey, how do I find, you know, the original Superman story? I want to get into Superman. Where mm-hmm. do I, what should I read? You should read this. Yeah. Um, unless it totally tanks, in which case it can just bury it. Yep. And that's why they're launching it, I think, as a, as a standalone it. graphic novel. Well, and then, of course, with Straczynski leaving uh, Thor as dramatically as he did, I think there'll be You're a lot Thor. of people who Thor, will. I, can uh, sit down. I think there will be a lot of JM readers who will jump onto Superman, and that might be a ploy for DC to bring over some more Marvel readers. What does this mean for the twelve? That's what I want to know. All right, we will have to talk, talk about that another time. What I want to know right now, Matthew, you have no idea what I'm talking. No, nah, I don't really don't care. Uh, what do you think, Matthew, about this announcement about Brainiac and the Legion of Superheroes? I think it's going to be interesting. I I like the thought that they're going to use the Legion to spearhead something. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened since probably Zero Hour. And I like the fact that it's not just going to be a neat page story in the back of Adventure Comics. Right. We, we, to me, we need to have a Legion title. There needs to be a Legion book where we can read about the Legion, not two members of the Legion or five members of the Legion, but the damn Legion. Yeah, and here's how they're going to do it. We've got Adventure Comics, which is going strong, and we've got those Legion backup stories that are going on. But then there's going to be a four-issue story arc written by James Robinson uh, and Julian Lopez, who will be doing the 10-page story that follow the Legion uh, in the 31st century and we'll find out more about these lost Legion members that keep popping up in all the DC comics lately. And they're, really they're just misplaced. Yes. And the, uh, the stories will run through adventure comics, Superman, Supergirl. And then at the beginning of the week, DC said one other title to be named in March that will lead to the big Superman event this summer. Now the big Superman event is the war of the Supermen, which comes war in 2010. I'm curious about this other title to be named in March. And Matthew, you may have touched on it. Paul Levitz announced that he's returning to DC writing. What do you think that unnamed title or that title to be named in March just might be a new Legion of Superheroes book? 
No, it's going to be the adventures of Mitch of Metropolis <laughs> and tell us it's going to be a wacky buddy picture where one's a lizard who lives in a methane atmosphere and one's a guy from a planet who eats whatever he wants. It's Matter Eater Lad and tell us in sort of a new lethal weapon franchise and they're going to call okay. it Legion Weapon. Rodrigo, I noticed in this image, I don't Tellus know if you... is going to be Riggs, see, and then Matter Eater Lad is going to be, you know, playing the Murtaugh role. It's going to be awesome. Rodrigo, I don't know if you had a chance to look at this cover that they were using to promote it, but I don't see Quizlet anywhere, so... Your thoughts on this? Um... I've... This seems familiar. Um, this needs something. This yes. is important. The, only because, you know, the... Wasn't there something called, like, Reign of the Superman? Well, yeah, as far as the War of the Superman, yes, we did have that. There was was Reign on the Superman. Yes, we did Ah. have Reign of the Superman back in, what, when Superman died? 92, 93, yeah. 93. So I'm guessing this is going to be all those guys that we saw in that one comic. I doubt it. Um, Sunshine, Superman, and... That'd be cool. No, I think, actually, I think that what they mean by War of the Superman, I think they're going to be talking about the next big event uh, that spins out of World of New Krypton and all of those. I think it's going to be the Kryptonians are going to come and they're going to to declare war. I think on the front page of the site uh, right now as we record, we've got the story specifically about the uh, War of the Supermen. War Um, of the Supermen! I'm bothered by this. Won't this mean that this kicks off about 12 seconds after Blackest Night wraps up? Probably. Well, crap cakes. Big event follows big event follows big event. I didn't and know if you, I just wanted to know if you were excited about this Legion of Superheroes big story that I was going to spill out and the fact that they're bringing Brainiac back into all of this, which may indeed, because Brainiac is probably bent on getting his shrunken cities back and New Krypton would be one of those shrunken cities. I'm not thrilled about Brainiac because I find that Brainiac is indicative of one of the worst parts of early Legion of Superheroes, and that's a slavish devotion to Superman's continuity and minutia. <laughs> if you actually read those early issues, the Legion is basically played as Superman's amazing friends who come around and pull a big Shrek and then applaud for how much they love him. Right. So the Brainiac aspect kind of doesn't do much for me, although... Having Brainiac 5 back might be interesting, and I'd like to see more than just, you know, six pages of two Legionnaires in what? It's been almost a year since, it hasn't been a year, but it's been almost a year since they launched Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. Mm -hmm. And in the five months since, you know, Adventure Comics launched, we've seen what? About ten minutes of Lightning Lad's life, about ten minutes of Block's life. Some nice buddy picture stuff from Polar Boy and Sun Boy, and then what? Uh, Telus is in the lake, I recall. Yes, and I at one point he was floating around in space. So find him in Strawberry Lake, and I think they're going to like call in the Air Force or something. All right. Well, I I am for one looking forward to this, and I I know some of our readers are too. Uh, before we go to the commercial break, is there anything that you guys are most looking forward to this week? Any new releases that you think are going to be things that you want to grab? Yep. What is that? I can't think of a run. Okay. <laughs> Rodrigo, but what about you? I know you? they're there. <laughs> what about you, Rodrigo? Anything that, that you're particularly fond of picking up? 
Uh, doesn't like, the new Kill Audio come out soon? Oh yeah, Kill Audio is coming out soon. I'm super I excited. Maybe it's cool called Jill Audio. I am super excited about the new Hunter's Fortune that comes out this week from Boom Studios. Uh, they sent us a an advanced uh, look at the issue, and yeah. man, I just love that. That is a great title. I will have a review of that up in the next day or so, or depending Don't on when you're listening on it. This week, what's that? I think Glamour Puss ships this week. I'm looking forward to the latest issue of Glamour Puss. Okay. I love that book. I believe there's a new Invincible Iron Man coming out, which shows uh, yes. Tony Stark on his uh, road back to not being a giant schmutz. Yep. yep. Invincible Iron Man number 21. Yep. And there's a bunch of X-Men books. Uh, Rodrigo, are you interested in this X-Necrotia? Um, not, not particularly, no. See, what it is is it's X-Men who was dead, right? Yeah. Only they're not dead anymore. Wait a minute. Wait and a minute. Some, some evil force is like animating them and bringing them back to freak out the superheroes. Wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Does it? Yep. And we're going to be uh, right back to talk about more Marvel Dead Heroes in just a little bit. But first, Benton. take a listen to this. All right. Torque Podcast Plug. Take 600. Uh... Hello, my name is... How do you pronounce that word? Torque? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, three... Wait, I shouldn't count. Uh, one, one, two... Hello, my name is Torque, and thank you for watching... Wait, thank you for... Li- Hello, my name is Torque, and I would like to thank you for listening to the Critical Hit podcast. Thank you for listening to the Critical Hit podcast and stuff. And uh, don't believe anybody who says that I am I am not cool. But we 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 appreciate you. And uh, I know Orem casts them pods a lot. So you know uh, and like that. So thank you and good night. Critical Hit, a Major Spoilers Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You can find it on iTunes or at Majorspoilers.com. This issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Past Generation Toys. With action figures from DC and Marvel, there's bound to be an action figure for you. Visit them on the web at pastgenerationtoys.com. And remember, everyone, you can head over to majorspoilers.com for more news, more reviews, more everything. Majorspoilers.com. All right, guys, we got some reviews to get through. Matthew, why don't you start us off this week? Oh, oh am I right. going? Yes, yes, please. Oh, hello. My name is Matthew, and welcome to Masterpiece Theater. This week, I shall be looking at a historic piece of Franco-American literature from Dynamite Entertainment. The Boys, number 37, by Garth Ennis and Derek Robinson. I don't know if you're familiar with Derek Robinson or Garth Ennis, but this issue promises... The origin of the Frenchman. I gotta tell you, it's absolutely hysterical. Um, in the last couple of issues, of course, the boys was kind of overtaken by the story of Mother's Milk, who explained to Wee Huey how he became who he is and a member of the boys. 
this issue opens with everyone's just sitting around. Wee Huey's on the computer. Butcher's half asleep. And the female is reading a book. And out of nowhere comes the Frenchman. And he just pops up and screams, C'est le <laughs> Which cracks me up. In France, we have a saying, which means the time has come. And Huey's like, is, is everybody just going to start telling me there? And he's like, no, 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 listen, écoutez. <laughs> and the Frenchman starts going off on his story. He's like, can you hear it? The straining melody of the accordion. <laughs> it seemed to welcome us à la belle française. <laughs> and uh, he tells his story, the story of a young man coming home from the wars, walking down the roads with a man behind him, by the way, playing the accordion. <laughs> what's most entertaining is he comes home his hometown is a little place called Franglais which cracks me up and he walks into town and everyone knows his name and apparently his name is Frenchie his parents his own parents <laughs> call him Frenchie bonjour Frenchie bonjour Jacques bonjour Jean bonjour Frenchie and he comes and he meets his parents and they're like Frenchie bonjour <laughs> excuse me I'm still a little lost and Frenchie has come home from the wars to find his lost Marie with the hair like the sunshine and the lips like the berries. And they have flashbacks to the, the wonderful first moments of their love, which uh, are about five sex scenes <laughs> in a row, which wow. is quite fun. All right. It turns out that Marie has left him for Black Pierre. No, no, not Black the, Bard. No, Black Pierre. Black Pierre says, oh, you pathetic <laughs> bastard. Um, but, of course, Frenchie, the only thing better in French than talking like this is having a broken heart. So Frenchie has a broken heart, and he kind of flops around the city in a, in a, a daze, in a horrible thing. And someone asks him if he's going to return to the wars, and we see a flashback of him in this, this, this brutal battle, just killing everything in sight. And he's like, no, I will never again rest my hand against my fellow man. But... <laughs> the day of l'essence de ha ha. It is a, a great festival in the city, the Saints de ha ha, <laughs> where everyone dresses up in little berets and striped shirts and has jousting tournaments with stale baguettes. <laughs> awesome. It is wonderful. Is this and just like a people... crazy, trippy issue? Well, this is the thing. It's so wonderful. Frenchie won't raise his hand against Black Pierre, so Frenchie's father is forced to go and fight him. And uh, they're riding bicycles with baguettes, and Black Pierre pulls the ultimate sacrilege. He leans over, and someone in the audience screams out, Croissant! <laughs> and Pierre sticks a stale croissant in Frenchie's father's bicycle wheel, and the old man is killed. Jeez. Oh, and uh, you see Frenchie... <laughs> on its knees, screaming to the skies, Mon Dad! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's truly awesome. And, you know, he, he of course, leaves town, and we see uh, Black Pierre tied up by his toes, and we see him, you know, telling everyone in Franglais goodbye. And finally, he ends up in America in a bar, and somebody is giving him hell about, you know, uh, you know, we, you're lucky. Uh, we're the ones that uh, make sure you didn't grow up speaking German. 
And Frenchie's like, that was you personally? You seem so young. Were you with Patton or with Hodges? And of course, nobody knows. And he immediately starts and ends a bar fight with like 30 men. And in the back of the bar, you see Butcher, who's like, you know what I really need? I need a mad word that I'm not going to say on the podcast. And of course, he immediately, assuming in the boys, he's like, all I needed was a shot of compound V, a stylish overcoat, and here I am. And the, it ends with one of my favorite sequences ever. We Huey starts to ask him a question. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. Le temps, petit Huey. To the bitter end. He runs and he jumps out the window <laughs> for no reason at all and runs across <laughs> Central Park. And, and we Huey is left to wonder if this is all true. Meanwhile, everyone else in the room is just lying there, not paying attention. What makes it <laughs> wonderful is Butcher doesn't even wake up during this whole ridiculous story. <laughs> uh, the, the, the mother's milk is on the internet and, and the female is reading her book. And Frenchie is telling this story about jousting on bicycles with stale baguettes. It's, I mean, I sat and I read this in a coffee shop the day I picked it up. And I was laughing like a goon in public with a comic, mind you. This is, it was, I mean... It's a truly wonderful issue, and it's not what you necessarily expect from Ennis, in that the, the ultra-violence and the rudeness and the shock is there, but it's really, really funny, and it's warm and heartwarming and silly and funny all at once. It kind of reminds me of R-Space from the Preacher comics, the right. stories where R-Space became Elvis. Right. Um, a really good issue. Four and a half slices of meatloaf on this one. Derek Robertson is back on the art. And for my money, Derek Robertson is probably one of the top five guys in the business right now. His rendition of Maui on the back of a bicycle. She's obviously this pretty little girl next door who's all whored up and she's got this look on her face. And everything is, it's like looking at a Monty Python sketch about what France is. (laughs) Only Frenchie is telling this story. And again, his own parents call him Frenchie. It, Bonjour, it, Frenchie. It just Bonjour. sounds so different from everything that we've been reading in The Boys to date. I mean, yes, The Boys has had some humor and some dark, yeah. sick humor, but this just sounds, like you said, like a Monty Python, I fought and, in your general direction. And it's so much fun to have that. Uh, the Frenchman was the reason for my favorite moment ever in The Boys. And I think I've mentioned this before. The first episode where we find out that the female is still killing people. Mm-hmm. She works for the mafia to, to try and deaden her, her need to kill. She takes these jobs, just knocking people off for the mafia. And at one point, she's about to kill this guy, and Frenchie just shows up out of nowhere and offers her a piece of his chocolate orange and talks about how sometimes all you need is a good friend and a piece of chocolate. And she does not kill these people. She eats the chocolate, and she and Frenchie walk away. And it it's weird that this character, who is this completely stereotypical you know, this ridiculous image of a French surrender monkey has such depth and has this character, this nobility about him that's just too funny and too much fun to read about. Uh, what we like to call l'écouté. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but you have to love this issue. If you don't love it, you're an alien transvestite robot. And that's my final word. Excellent. Thank you for that, Matthew. That's all the way from Dynamite Entertainment, the boys, number 37. Uh, for me, I picked up... Uh, Let D- me test! 
This uh, past week, I picked up uh, the latest World of New Krypton. That's number 10, featuring Superman and all the Kandorians on their planet. This is kind of a different departure for the... Wait, uh, are the Kandorians better than the Fresh Orians? Because I find that yes. if you can... Oh. Yes, the canned ones uh, last longer, obviously. Right, but I think they have they they lack something in terms of crisp. Well, it, some of the things seem a little stale, and one of the things that kind of may fault in this issue is we've been trying to figure out what's going on with the society and how Superman is working with the society and trying to keep General Zod in check, and then all of a sudden, right here in this tenth issue, we're thrown a locked door murder mystery, guest starring Adam Strange. What? Uh, apparently, Adam has come to the to the planet uh, New Krypton to protest the agreement that the Kryptonians and the Thanagarians have uh, made a deal with in one of the previous issues that happened in like three panels, and that was about it. Thanagarians um, have any sons? Many <laughs> sons have Thanagarians. His Zeta Beam or Zeta Beam, depending on how you want to pronounce Zeta. it. Zeta uh, would have two T's and it would be made by Toyota. Popped him right in the middle of this room where there is one of the uh, council members is dead and there's nothing there to indicate who did it, how it was done, why it was done. And so Superman and Adam Strange spin the issue, scratching their heads, flying around, trying to figure out who might be doing it. It points a lot to the Labor Guild who might be involved, but the Labor Guild says, oh, no, no, we didn't do it, but we're upset because no one is taking care of this problem of everyone getting sick. And that's going to, I think, be one of the bigger things that lead to uh, something that may happen in the War of the Supermen. But Superman, Clark Kent, finally comes to, or Kal-El, I guess I should say, since he's on uh, New Krypton, comes to the conclusion that, hey, maybe this wasn't a murder of one person over what he promised to the Labor Guild. Maybe this is an assassination attempt of every member of the Council. And so we close with, uh, what's uh, Supergirl's mother's name? Alora. Um, Alora with uh, targeting being locked on her and we won't know what happens next until Superman world of new Krypton number 11, not too bad of an mm -hmm. issue, but again, the locked room mysteries kind of get a little old. Uh, I, I kind of like the way that they were doing some of the political stuff on the planet, especially with the labor guild involved. Uh, I don't know, like four or five issues ago where it was basically a standoff uh, where the labor guild was holding hostages and Kal-El had to go in and basically talk them down and prove to Zod that he could lead without just going in and killing people. I found that much more fascinating than this mystery that we have uh, locked in right here. Art is good. Art has always been good by um, um, Pete Woods. Woods. Yeah. Um, and of I course, Greg Reckon. drums for the Rolling Stones yes. back in the day. Uh, Greg Reckon, of course, James Robinson doing some exceptional writing. But like I said, it's it's kind of... Kind of been done before. Nothing really surprisingly new in this issue. I think people could skip this issue and go right to number 11 and not really be lost on anything. So I'm going to give this issue three slices of meatloaf out of five. Not too bad. A little bit better than average, but not the greatest meatloaf you've ever eaten in your life. So I have a question. Sure. Is New Krypton under a yellow sun? It is. It's on the opposite. It's in the same orbit as Earth on the opposite side. Well, that brings up a different question, but how do you kill a Kryptonian under a yellow sun? They have something called a red sun gun, which emulates the effects of a red sun. And so you shoot the person with that. And so that leaves them depowered for a little bit and then you can kill them. And they do something um, 
In this issue, they used a gun which we haven't seen before. It's not really a weapon, and that's what leads them to the Labor Guild, in that apparently there's a lot of plant life that's going crazy under the yellow sun, and they use this red sunbeam to curtail their growth and to stunt uh, the plants growing, and they used it so on this is, council member. Is Newt Gunray still the head of the Labor Guild? I don't remember <laughs> his name. I was gonna, I was gonna ask him. Wasn't the Labor Guild those guys that like had like a magic crowbar and yes. a uh, yes. big uh, yes. a, a wrecking ball? Yeah, yeah, a wrecking that. ball. They, they yes. fought Thor, right? Yeah, I remember them from Runaways. <laughs> uh, they're pretty awesome. Yeah, the Labor Guild. That's who they are here, and uh, you know it's. It's an okay issue, but I mean, yes, so they have, and even the military, in order to fight their own, have these red sun guns that will depower you. <laughs> red sun guns. Yep, exactly. Boy, I hope they don't shoot me back in my own personal timeline and break my, never mind. <laughs> That'd suck. Yeah. Rodrigo, what do you got for us this week? What I got for you this week is something that apparently came out last week. Yay! Yay! Um, Deadpool team up number eight ninety nine. Like I was looking at this thing and I was like, eight ninety nine seems high of a number for a Deadpool team up. I don't think t- Deadpool has been actually around long enough. No, they have. They they renumbered it the same way they renumbered Captain America. Gotcha. At least they're honest about. Things, you know? <laughs> yeah, at least they're being honest about screwing with the number. Yeah. No, apparently uh, it's counting backwards, is is what Matthew told me. But right, eight ninety nine came out the week before eight ninety eight. Right. So, um, in this issue, Deadpool wakes up from a nightmare, um, and in which he gets killed horribly, um, and the voices in his head are not being very helpful. So <laughs> he goes voices. out. He does have voices. Th- Seriously, there's, there's, they're characters, basically, that he ha- actually has conversations and who every once in a while actually provides some insight as to what's going on. As in this issue, um, he goes in and he tries to find the source of these nightmares and in the process runs into the incredible Hercules. Hercules. And of course they have, when they first meet, they fight. And basically Hercules punches Deadpool through a wall and he's like, okay, well, all right, let's talk. Um, so as it turns out, they are trapped in this maze and, uh, Hercules is going on and on about all the Greek stuff that happens in mazes and Deadpool is horrified <laughs> because of how exactly the Minotaur came to be. Um, <laughs> And as it turns out, it's a clever ploy by the Lord of Nightmares and um, an awesome villain named Arcade. <gasps> That's right. Arcade is in this issue. Is his Yay! weapon quarters? No. His weapon is a terrible bow tie. Oh, okay. You um, do not mark Arcade. <laughs> so Arcade has trapped um, these guys in a little murder world. Little tiny murder world for two. Because hotel room, really. Yes. Um, because he hates Deadpool because he's such a good assassin and mercenary, and nobody is paying Arcade to build ridiculously elaborate murder worlds to kill people in. Um, so him and this Nightmare Guy team up because the Nightmare Guy is pissed off at Hercules because during the whole Scrollapalooza, he um, he kind of stepped on his head a little bit. 
um, in trying to get to the scroll gods. So they um, basically arcades mechanical stuff is augmented by the med by uh, nightmare guys magical stuff and um, Hercules is forced to fight his children like every last legitimate and illegitimate child he's ever had and he's like no and um, Deadpool is forced to fight the voices in his head which are basically um, manifest as a giant two-mouthed tumor 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 Tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Um, oh no, it's pretty good. It's a one-shot issue. Um, at the beginning, um, Deadpool and Hercules are in a maze. At the end, they're in Tijuana. It's a good time. Um, the art is pretty good. It's always pretty obvious what's going on. Um, I recognized Arcade immediately which maybe because he dresses so crazily is not that hard, but I mean, like the, the art was never an issue, um, throughout this. Um, I'd give it, I'd give it three slices of meatloaf. Um, good characterization. You know, Hercules is fun times. Deadpool is fun times. It's fun time book. Times are fun and fun is to be had at this time. Um, was a good time had by all. Yes, was except for <laughs> except for Arcade, who is also taken to Tijuana, but then bad things happen to him. Uh-oh. And the next issue of Deadpool will feature Mexican wrestlers, so I'm probably there as well. <laughs> all right. Actually, the last issue of Deadpool. I love yes, the, back the, the previous. I'm sorry, the previous issue of Deadpool will feature. Since they're Mexican counting wrestlers. down, the back pages actually say "last issue" and then give you the coming attraction. Oh, that's nice. funny. That's funny. So three slices from Rodrigo, three slices from me, and four and a half from Matthew. It sounds like The Boys is the the top review for the week this week. Because of its, uh, how do you say, exclusive friendshipity, huh? <laughs> yeah, oui, oui. Yes, and uh, when we come to the end of their reviews, it becomes time, or as we say in French, c'est la nuit. What they call the poll of the week in France? What's that? Royale with cheese. Uh-huh. This week, we've run out of people to fight. He wouldn't let me do B. Arthur versus Hercules. I don't know why. Because <laughs> we know B. So Arthur will win. True. <laughs> she does have more testosterone. Yes. We ask you, the faithful spoilerites, the readers at home, all of y'all, what you do, when you do, what you do, and I do what I do, what I do. I'm certainly not vamping for time. No, 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 no. <laughs> this week's poll of the week discusses whether you're a multitasker. Do you, faithful spoilerite, hi, how are you? My name's Matthew, have a musical soundtrack to which you listen when reading your comic books and or comic book graphic novel experiences. Stephen, uh, did you come up with this question? Well, it's actually something that kind of occurred to me because I've, I've had a lot of comic book readers, and this has been going on for easily the last 15 years, where I'll be in the mm-hmm. shop and somebody will say, oh, yeah, I was reading this comic, and I started listening to this soundtrack. 
and it went perfectly with what I was reading. And now every time I read Deadpool, I have to listen to, uh, you know, the the three Opium jukebox. The, yes, I have to listen to that song, The Flaming Lips, or one of the one of their albums as I read, and it makes perfect sense. And then I've had other other people who say, "Hey, I sit down and I craft out a specific playlist of this artist, this artist, and this artist to." listen to the music while I'm reading the comic book over that 20 minute span. And I was wondering, you know, how many people actually do that? Who uh, are I d- these people? I don't do it. I mean, I certainly and kind of like the deal with Oprah. <laughs> I kind of like the idea in concept because it might enhance what you're doing, but I've never done it myself. So I voted no. And it just, to me, it's just like, really people do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take every third sentence of that just completely out of context and giggle like an eight-year-old. <laughs> Have you ever I've done never this? I've never done it. Do people do this? <laughs> what about you, Matthew? Have you ever listened to music specifically to enhance your comic book reading? I have not, and that's mainly because in my mind, my comic books pretty much have a full-fledged soundtrack. Do they? Um, to me, listening to music is kind of an activity unto itself, and whatever portion of my brain is there is actually often engaged in, you know, listening to the lyrics, breaking things down, thinking about what the song is saying, or whether the bass player is drunk, whatever it is. And a comic book reading experience and a, a music listening experience, I think, kind of interface in that same chunk of my brain. And to do both at the same time would, you know, it, it would undermine both both functions. I wouldn't be able to do either worth a damn. I'm actually distracted when I try to read comics with music on. Oddly enough, I don't have the same problem when I'm reading comics in front of the television. Yeah, I don't have that either. Because I'll just tune the TV out. But I think I, I think that's the difference between, you know, that visual portion of the experience and then you know, the, the creative chunk of your mind that's interpreting and, and reading those panels and going, oh, look, I bet that sounds like, and then Deadpool goes, hello, I am the Deadpool. I just don't do that. I guess I've never done that where I don't have anybody having a specific voice or reading the explosion and hearing it in my head. I'm just like, oh, explosion. Okay. I, I kind of know what that is. So that's a different, a different thing for me. What about you, Rodrigo? Um, I listen to music while I'm reading comics. But specifically um, I, to enhance the experience? Um, no, not really. Just kind of to have some background noise. Um, and it, it's funny because it's the reverse for me. I can't read comics and watch TV at the same time. Mm. Um, I just get distracted by the TV. If something's moving, I'm just absolutely mesmerized by it, which is why I had to move <laughs> my uh, Plants vs. Zombies to the background Yes. Uh, while we're recording this, because that little snail picking up coins is really distracting. So any um, shiny object can distract Rodrigo. Shiny it's, moving it's, object. It's pretty easy. That's basically why I wear blinders during the podcast. <laughs> oh, um, and then you that don't want to look at me, so... That that way, I just focus on that big Batman logo that Stephen has on the wall, right. and you I don't need have, to look you at it. Be distracted by the glare off his head. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Started shaving it again, so watch out. So, so I'm interested. I don't, I don't have a specific shaving something that size. I don't have a specific uh, comic reading soundtrack because, um, you know, I mean that's that's. It's like asking, you know, what soundtrack would you watch TV to? I mean, depending right. on what you're watching, you need a different soundtrack. Um, okay. 
So let's so try this. depending on what you're reading, you know, like Taylor making a uh, soundtrack to a particular comic that you maybe only listen to once a month or once every three months, depending on how, uh, whether the uh, creator of Invincible has decided to stick to his <laughs> schedule or not. So I'm curious about trying this. Uh, obviously, most of our readers, what have we got here? 208 uh, voters so far over at Majorspoilers.com say that, no, they don't use a music soundtrack when reading their comics. That's about 75% of them have said that. But 25% have said yes. Well, from you looking at it, but my last update says 208. But 75% say no, 25% say yes. I'm interested in this. Let me just run through some of the books here on my stack. And you guys tell me what, uh, what music do you think would go with these titles. Okay. Uh, the Mighty from DC Comics. Uh, Inve Malmsteen. Okay. Some some heavy, you know, kind of death metal. metal? Is that with... death metal stuff? No, it's, it's not, not death metal. metal. It's it's actually very uh, very uh, classically kind of tuned. Kind of a Steve. It, it feels a little like Steve Vai's work or, or Joe Satriani to me, but it's kind of a classical overtone with. Uh, what I'm thinking specifically is Black Star, the opening okay. song from Black Star. Okay. That goes. It's okay. JSA All Stars. Tommy Dorsey. Okay. Yeah, okay, I can see that. What about Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Do I have Devo. to listen to Vangelis or whatever his name is? Devo. Devo. Do, do, do. That's what you need. Uh, here's one for Rodrigo Ultimate Spider Man. Ultimate Spider Man. Um, probably. Um, terrible songs by Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> okay. Or um, Bowling for Soup. You know I like both of those bands. <laughs> I know, and I don't think any less of you for it. Uh, Matthew Invincible, Invincible, yes. Invincible, Invincible. Justin Timberlake. Really? Yes. Why? In his in his Dick in a Box phase. Okay. You want uh, Timberlake, who's like bringing sexy back. What about what we read this week uh, for the Dueling Reviews? And if people haven't been over to the Major Spoiler site to check out the Dueling Reviews each week, Matthew and I each take a crack at a comic book and discuss it in depth. This week, we reviewed uh, The Cabal, Siege, The Cabal number one. What would I be reading for that? John Williams or maybe uh, John Philip Sousa March. Oh, okay. Listen, I'm thinking John Williams. Uh, John Williams in his Close Encounters phase. Okay. Where it's kind of ethereal, and then it has that really dun 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 dun, dun going for it. All right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Or uh, that one song from the Beef Chorus. You know the one. Mm-hmm. Sam Shepard says, "Beef, it's what's for dinner." Yeah, that would be. Um, gosh dang it! What's his name? It's called the uh, Rodeo. Or rodeo, and it is by the same guy who wrote, who uh, wrote um, "Fanfare for the Common Man." Uh, Aaron Copeland. That, mm-hmm. That's who would be it. So it's the it's the beef chorus. Yes. So okay, cool. I will uh, I will test this out and see if it works or not. And uh, Jonah Hex. Yes. Muse. Not uh, not the. Uh, no. Muse for Jonah only only Knights of Sidonia would work. Knights for that. of Sidonia or their their new one that keeps showing up in the V uh promo. Mm. But I think Knights of Sidonia would be beautiful. Okay. See that's that that's a cool. that's one example of a song that I would find too distracting to to read comic books to. There's a lot going on. I think yeah, I, I would 
I think if I were going to do this, I would really need to listen to music that does not have any lyrics. Because I think that would be the most distracting part. You know, I think most of the music that I recommended doesn't have lyrics. Okay. All right. Maybe Timberlake does. Okay, cool. All right, listeners, you can head over to the Majorspoilers.com website, cast your vote. Ooh, and, no, and you know what you need? What's that? You need the boat song Deo? by the Lonely Island. Oh, I thought you were talking no. about Deo. That's a good song. <laughs> Rodrigo knows what I'm talking about. The boat song. Okay. The boat song. Go look it up. It's called I'm on a Boat. Okay. All right. Listeners, you can cast your vote in the poll, or what you might want to do is head over to the Majorspoilers.com forum. And I'm sure Rodrigo will create something if it hasn't already been created. But uh, music to read by, I think, will be the name of the uh, of the post. Where should we put that, Rodrigo? Under I'd podcast put it on the music. Do we have a section on me? We do have a section on music. Probably music, since our yeah. uh, comic book section is kind of separated by a uh, company. Yep, there you go. So we'll put have it you under ever there. Been to the forum, Stephen? I haven't been in a while. I try to go once a day, and I haven't been yet today. So there you go. All right, listeners, when we come back, brains. Brains. Send more cops. Hello, this is the Papa. I would like to discuss uh, the, the Marvel Zombies. And I, uh, when I remember when I first read the Marvel Zombies, I said it to myself, Papa, and then I said, what? And I said, hey, Papa, and I said, what? And I said, oh, sorry, I didn't think you were listening. I said to myself about these Marvel zombies, I said, this is pretty funny, but you're probably going to hell if you like it. And I thought that was probably the way it goes. So thank you, Major Spoilers, with the hotline and the people. And remember, it's a 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers, a hotline. It's always good when the Pope gives us a call here at Major Spoilers. And uh, as he said, if you would like to share your thoughts, your comments, your ideas. You have a thought. If you've ever had a thought. If you want to comment. If you want to contribute to the show. If you think that I'm a strident jackass and Steven is a naysaying goon, please don't call us. But otherwise, feel free to give us a holler. 785-727-1939. All the Major Spoilers. Hotline, and just so the uh, rest of Europe doesn't feel left behind. Hello, hello, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Since we've already made fun of French people and Italian people, French people and Italian. Oh wait, 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 wait. We're gonna have to let's go over the, the Norwegians. We'll have to do the Germans. The next. major spoilers hotline. He's so really gonna. That's a. I can't really do Squish Car. I do a great pickles. Major spoilers spots lines <laughs> this week. Oh, this week we are talking Marvel Death zombies. <laughs> Does anyone ever really need a, a blow by blow of what happened in the five issue miniseries of Marvel zombies? I mean, it's really didn't start out as Marvel zombies. It actually started out in Ultimate Fantastic Four number twenty one through twenty three, where was Reed Richards was tapping into another dimension and he captured these zombies, these infected zombies of uh, yeah. of the Fantastic Four. And it now, was a great on. little three-issue story, and then, of course, then Marvel launches Marvel Zombies from that. That was Mark Miller, and Miller did something that was pretty unprecedented with this. Um, a lot of times you'll see Marvel, they'll put out little press releases and things. Right. But M- Miller went in, in the pages of Wizard and flat-out lied 
And the whole point when I started reading this arc was the implication that he had was that this was the ultimate universe crossing over with the real Fantastic Four. Right, right. So we all went in, those of us who were reading Ultimate Fantastic Four, going, ooh, they're going to meet the real Reed Richards, and then all of a sudden, brains. Well, and and what was cool about that is throughout the whole thing, Reed is talking to somebody, and all you see is the other Reed in shadow, and you hear them having a conversation until... I think it was like that last page where all of a sudden he turns around and it's like, blah, blah, you know, and it's, it's zombie Reed Richards. And, and that was kind of cool. It was from earth 2149. That was the right. alternate universe that they came from. Earth 2148 is the earth where everybody works at a Stuckey's. <laughs> oh God, that's a terrible universe to live in. Mm-hmm. And then of course, a couple of months later, uh, in December, 2005, Marvel released the series that will not die, Marvel Zombies, in which, and again, it's not really, is it spelled out, is it the 2149 universe, this takes place in the 2149 universe, and it's all about how they became infected? No. Um, the, The wonderful thing about it is that the story of how this happened is not told in this issue. Mm-hmm. That's actually not told until the Dead Days one shot. Oh, yeah. What this issue, what issue one of Marvel Zombies did for me, first of all, it made me laugh in that uncomfortable way. <laughs> but again, and we went, I went into the first arc going, oh, it's the Ultimate Universe crossing over with the real what? And we ended that arc with Magneto mm-hmm. and the last human survivors. Yeah, they're all up on what, thinking, Asteroid okay, M or Marvel something. Zombies is going to be about Magneto heroically fighting off zombies of the Marvel Universe. And, it, it, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. I picked it up on a lark. On, like, I think it's maybe page five. Magneto is locked in his little, his little place. And I'm like, okay, here comes the Night of the Living Dead moment. They break in. And they kill and eat Magneto on panel. Yeah, they do. They rip him to pieces and eat his body on panel. And it's done in shadow, but it is incredibly descriptive and horrifying shadow. And at that point, I'm just like, I don't know what this is all about, but to, to take my expectations and smash them, create a new set of expectations and smash them. Mm hmm. And then give me something to work with. That is why Marvel Zombies was such was such a thunderbolt. Well, and to me, I mean, I was I was shutting down a lot of my Marvel titles at this point in time mm-hmm. for lack of interest, and I'm just like, oh, this 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 is good. Well, and I also liked it that the fact that we get to see the heroes turning on each other as they fight for the for the brains and bodies and and the idea that you know they're the survivors because they're the superpowered beings so they can take down us normals and just eat us uh i think was was a rather interesting concept that they didn't really regard the living anymore and the fact that they were they were able to do so many disgusting horrified ripping flesh decaying flesh gags throughout the entire series was very yeah. interesting, and you can't, you know, nobody can forget, you know, Mary Jane getting eaten or uh, Aunt May getting eaten uh, by Peter Parker, and uh, and then you have these fantastic covers by what's his name, Arthur. Um, Sweetheart, um, I think. Yeah, uh, that just totally captured everyone's attention. And the the parody aspect of the covers only half the fun but marvel zombies number one the first issue 
was a parody of Amazing Fantasy number 15 mm-hmm. with this rotting Peter Parker mm-hmm. swinging over the the, uh, the skyline with somebody that he's about to obviously kill and eat. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the thing that really strikes me about the Marvel Zombies series, at least in its initial incarnation, was, well, first of all, it's Bob Kirkman. And Kirkman right, right. is really good at getting a, a little bit of sentimentality into where you kind of go, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, and then he just killed it. Yeah. He, oh, and he's dead. Let me ask yeah, you about I, that. Did, did it, and, and Rodrigo, you can pipe in too here. Did it disappoint you that Mark Miller really came up with this idea of the Marvel zombies and did a great job of it in the Ultimate Fantastic Four? And then Marvel said, hey, let's get that Walking Dead guy to do the Marvel zombies series. It no. doesn't. It doesn't terribly bother me. That it bother Mark Miller. Probably. I think I, I, think I would be. Um, the last thing that I heard about Mark Miller, although or from Mark Miller on this, and I've also seen the same thing from Bob Kirkman, is uh, "Are we done yet?" with the whole Marvel Zombies thing. But yeah, I don't know that they picked Kirkman because he was the zombie guy. I think. Kirkman at that point in time was almost as known for Invincible as for Mm -hmm. Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. But I think it was one of those things where they picked Kirkman because Kirkman, Kirkman did something with this series that wasn't easy. He took what should have been a one note joke. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, you can read Marvel apes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, should have taken a one note joke and he gave it substance and he gave it, you know, some emotion. The moment where, you know, Spider-Man is crying about, Oh my God, I ate my aunt and my wife and all the other Mm -hmm. zombies are just like, Oh God, is he off on this again? (laughs) What's really interesting is if you read the arc of, um, fantastic four, there's a one really chilling and horrifying line that really underlines the whole series and the prospect of the whole series for me um, they're like, oh my God, what year is it? And Magneto's like, you don't understand. This happened in three days. Right. And in the initial series, we don't see a lot of that. We see a lot of fighting, mm-hmm. um, mostly fighting for food, but we also see some really black and horrifying humor where uh, Bruce Banner gets angry because he's hungry and turns into the Hulk and eats somebody. And then he's not hungry anymore, so he's no longer angry. So he turns back into Bruce Banner. But because he ate enough to fill the Hulk stomach, right, Banner's right, stomach right, bursts. Right, yes. So Banner's <laughs> stomach bursts, and his contents are coming out, and Banner's starting to get mad and trying to eat the stuff that he just ate that's bursting out of his stomach. Oh, my God, it's gross. And Spider-Man, at one point, his leg is rotting and falling off. Right. And he's yeah. trying, he's and, trying well, to... Well, and then uh, Captain America getting his skull cleaved Colonel off. America getting his head. And he's like, well, I can, I can tell you the brain injury hypothesis doesn't work. Yeah. What, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think that a lot of people with Marvel zombies were pointing at a lot of these interesting things, but everyone's like, how can Wolverine be infected? Isn't his, uh, doesn't his superpowers instantly heal him? Wouldn't it have fought off the virus? No, it didn't. The end. Well, (laughs) when you're, when you're telling a story like this, the answer to how can Wolverine be infected is, this overrode his powers, and he's infected. Thank you, drive through. Well, and and it 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 brings up that issue of you know why is anybody even reading a Wolverine title anymore if he is that invulnerable if right. nothing can ever get to him? 
Yeah. Why um, would you care? If you if you really want to nerd wank him, you can you can say that you know whatever the it, his healing factor actually called the virus to go faster. Mm-hmm. That would be a thing because I mean if you look at it from the perspective of, and this is a horrifying comparison, and please I hope I don't offend anyone with this. Cancerous cells in the body, mm-hmm. stronger the body is, those are body cells. They can actually increase as you get more healthy. So I can definitely see that you know his body taking in that particular infection and then his healing factor causing it to even more completely take him over. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that at one point he pops his claws and his arm is rotting off and his claws about fall out. And it's just, it's this horrible black humor, but it's all, it's all, you know, it's couched in the terms of these superheroes that we love. And Luke Cage is in it, and I'm like, why would Luke? Ca- how do you how do you bite Luke Cage? He's got steel hard skin. Yeah, true. And this... Who bit him? Battery oh. lad isn't here. <laughs> what I find about this story this this initial volume had a lot of gross out in it, but I didn't really see it as a horror story. I saw it as a almost a parody of everything. Did you guys get that same kind of feeling or not? Because I was just laughing the whole way. Is oh look at that guy! Oh look at the look at the thing! Oh look at the Spider Man with the leg and the thing and the rib and the arm. For me, no, oh, go ahead. For me, it was kind of reminiscent of the old uh, "What If" storylines. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is that a lot of those "What If" storylines end with "And everyone dies." Yeah. But in this one. <laughs> It starts with and everyone dies, right. and then it keeps and then it picks up from there. Well, it's, I don't think of it so much as a parody as it is kind of a melange. It's 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 almost a plasma. It's neither gas nor liquid. If you take the let's say tropes of a horror story and you take the tropes of a superhero story, they don't mix really well. Mm-hmm. The whole point of a horror story can be, well, in many cases, a successful horror story can be about powerlessness and about the fear of the unknown working on you and about what is it that's going bump in the night? What can you not control? Whereas the superhero fantasy is inherently about control. You know, weakling Peter Palmer is secretly the amazing aphid man, you know. So if you take those two, they're almost contradictory tropes. The black humor kind of serves as the glue to hold it together to say, well, if you say, if you take this, then you go here, but if you go here, you go there. And I think that the upshot of the whole thing, the silver surfer comes to earth. Oh, we're going to eat your planet. Oh, we're going to eat your planet. And the Marvel zombies in a way, save the day by eating him first. Right. And the Galactus come to eat the earth. Yeah. But the Marvel zombies eat Galactus. Which I just yeah. found funny. I'm that, that thin line between high concept and dumb joke. Well, and that's the, to me, that was the best part of the whole series was oh, now they've turned the table on Galactus and now they have a way because they use the Galactus armor and gear and technology to then go out to other planets and infect them. And you get to that shot at the end where, um, you know, the aliens are there and they point up to the sky and it, what looks to be Galactus is looming overhead and then descending from above are the whole and Spider Man and and the other guys and I just yeah and I was like well that's a great way to end that series but there's also a little bit of hope because when Magneto was getting himself ripped apart he was able to get some of the humans over to Asteroid M and so then we pick up 
at the very, very end of that series, you know, five years later after the zombie apocalypse has ended. And so there is a little bit of, of hope there at the end of that series. Uh, the, now, are you reading a collection? Uh, I must be, because I didn't okay. buy the individual issues. Well, the reason that I'm concerned, well, confused really, is that the Marvel Zombies Dead Days, which tells the story of the zombie infection, mm-hmm. comes out after Marvel Zombies, and after that comes Marvel Zombies 2, mm-hmm. which is where we see the future. But de- for me, Dead Days is one of the, I won't say perfect, but damn near perfect comics in the world, because it tells the whole, you know, it, it's kind of like a short version of the Infinity Gauntlet or the Secret Wars, but it it has an ending where the heroes don't win. Right. Mm-hmm. And it shows us the scene where Spider-Man is trying to fight off the hunger and then kills and eats Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Whether that needed to be shown or not is probably, you know, up for interpretation. I felt like it, it needed to be shown or at least needed to be hinted that this happened. But it also comes up with the brilliant bit with uh, Hank Pym. Hank Pym is a brilliant man, but he's a brilliant man. This is at the height of crap on Yellow Jacket. Mm -hmm. A brilliant man who's maybe not emotionally stable and not entirely, you know, full of integrity. So he captures one of his undead hero friends so that he can eat him a little bit at a time. He saves the Black Panther for later and comes back and snacks on him when he needs to, you know, calm down. I, I think that in a really horrifying way, that's one of those, you know, once in a lifetime funny concepts, one of those brilliant things where you go, hey, the blue box is bigger on the inside. Question. There are a couple of those. No, go ahead. No. Go ahead. There, there are a couple of moments in the series where you have those moments where nobody would have thought of that. But now, you know, with Marvel Zombies 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, mm-hmm. 8, 12, 57, where I think they're now they're going to be crossing over and eating Marvel apes. That'd be awesome. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm not kidding about that either. I believe they're going to be eating the Marvel apes. That kind of leads into this next question, Rodrigo. You're a huge Marvel fan, and Marvel Zombies really—I mean, it was a huge hit. I mean, to the point where I couldn't find some of the single issues anywhere, and so that's why I had to wait and get that finally when it came out in the trade. And so I was reading stuff here and there as I could get it, but. It seems to be if something works the first time, let's do it again. And so, as Matthew said, we had everything from Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies to mm-hmm. Marvel Zombies 27. And now it sounds like Marvel Zombies uh, versus, Marvel versus the Marvel Apes or, or Spider-Ham or whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you think about all this that came after? Was there a need to? Should Marvel have just said, look, we cashed in, we made something great, and let's let's keep reprinting those trades or was it a big? Was it a good idea to continue with the uh, the other sequels? Well, you know, everything good turns to crap is is a pretty uh, constant <laughs> law of the universe. If something, it, it's it's the reason why we have these gigantic crossover things. You know, obviously they are selling, and that's the reason why they're doing it. And you know, did they need to make Secret War after Secret Wars? Wait, mm-hmm. Which one? You know, do they do they really need to go back and revisit all that stuff? No, it's. Uh, but that that also kind of falls on the consumer. I did not pick up Marvel Zombies two. I read Marvel Zombies 
and thought it was fantastic. And when they announced Marvel Zombies, actually, I may have read it after Marvel Zombies 2 came out. And when I saw it, I was like, you know what? This may be, a, this may be great. This may be a continuation. But I don't think I actually want to read it. And I didn't, you know, because actually Marvel Zombies was fantastic and was self-contained and was really, really an impressive look at the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually a loving look at the Marvel universe in a way. It's, it kind of, in, in kind of a sick way gives us, you know, two things that an alternate dimension, like alternate dimension stories or like alternate character stories are good because you can see, um, kind of, you know, when, when one of the characters gets turned evil, you can see, you know, Superman and Batman fight, even though normally they wouldn't fight. Right. You know, this Marvel Zombies gave us two things. It gave us um, sort of that uh, a, a very introspective look at each of the characters and also this horrifying thing in which all the characters at some point die in a horrible way mm-hmm. and then get back up and keep going. Mm-hmm. I read Marvel Zombies 2 where they go out into the universe and devour everything in the entire universe and then come back to Earth 40 years later. And at that point, I kind of stopped reading it until uh, Army of Darkness versus the Marvel Zombies came out. And I read that just because it was so such a weird concept idea in seeing mm-hmm. Ash. Army of Darkness out. came out before Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness came out before uh, Marvel Zombies Two. Uh, yeah, before Marvel Zombies Two. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I thought that was fun because we got to see it from Ash's perspective of how everything was falling to crap, but. You know, I really don't care about Marvel Zombies 3, Marvel Zombies 4, Marvel Zombies 5, or Returns. I, right I just think, Marvel Zombies? I think they just ran it into the ground. To the point where Zombies zombies is no longer an interesting genre for me anymore. Because but everybody said, hey, Zombies is working, that. let's do Zombies. This book didn't no, do that. No, this book didn't do that, but I'm saying the sequels this did that. Book didn't, no, this book did not create that fad. It cashed in on it. Yes. Marvel Zombies made a whole new arc of it, but it didn't create the zombie fad. But here's something else that I want you to think about for just a moment. When you talk about coming back and cashing in and going back to the well and going back to the well... The history of superhero comics is the story of how many times can we go back to the well before the water gets tainted. Right. The entire history of superhero comics is about will they buy it? Will they buy it now? Yeah. Well, that will just they buy goes. This character that, put pointy ears on his head and call him Batman. At this will point, they buy it now we're going to call him Hawkman. At this point, it, this is where the listener should take this part of the show and loop it back to the first part of the show where we talk about uh, Earth One and reselling this concept again and again. But I think that Marvel Zombies initially was such a phenomenon. And Dead Days was well-written. Mm-hmm. And Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness was a lot of fun. It was. To the point when we got to Marvel Zombies 2, you have to ask yourself, not should we keep going back to the well, but how do you make this concept work? Because the whole point of it was when we met these characters – they had already taken over the world. Mm-hmm. The entire world was eaten before we ever met the characters. So the biggest thrust of the story was told off panel beforehand and could only be told again in flashbacks. So when we break it all down, it's not a question to me of how many times can they go back to the well or did they drive this concept into the ground? It's would it have been more successful if it hadn't started at the point where it did? Marvel Zombies 2 didn't fail for me because it was a bad sequel. 
Marvel Zombies 2 failed for me because it took us to a, a point where we jumped 40 years and I didn't know if I cared anymore. Right, right. Most of what most of what was recognizable or rather most of what was enjoyable about Marvel Zombies was recognizable characters. This is Peter Parker as a zombie, mm-hmm. but he's still kind of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. This is Hank Pym as a zombie, but he's still kind of Hank Pym. Right. Marvel Zombies 2 took all of that away and put us in the future where the Black Panther has an artificial leg and mm-hmm. maybe the wasp isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Marvel Zombies 3 brought the monsters into the real world of the Marvel Universe. And that's where they broke the concept because the concept of Marvel Universe or Marvel Zombies was they successfully took over the world and ate everybody. Mm -hmm. That concept does not work in the mainstream Marvel Universe. Can, will not. The the appeal of Marvel Zombies, partially for me, was that this is unstoppable. This is a story about how there are zombies. Like, the, no, one, no one survived. The people who survived got eaten within the first five pages. Yep. You know, maybe a few people made it off planet, but it's not going to be enough to repopulate the world. The world is over. There's no point. The end. Yeah, all is bleak. The end. Now let's talk about zombies. Once they crossed over into the 616 universe, which incidentally I hear that uh, the people at Marvel hated when you refer to it as a 616. Um, That's okay. They don't listen to this show. Yeah, that's largely why I do it. Um, <laughs> when they cross over to the normal, you know, uh, to the 616 Marvel Universe, um, you can't have that anymore. Suddenly there are flaws to the zombie virus. Suddenly there are certain people who cannot be infected. Suddenly mm-hmm. there are people who can recover from being infected, which if there were such people in the mirror universe, then this wouldn't have happened. And that's the problem. In the very first appearance of the Marvel Zombies, we see a zombie vision. Now, let's take a moment and sit right there. Let me tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. The vision is a synthesoid. He is a synthetic humanoid being. He is made of steel and, and, and canvas and all sorts of things. He was infected. Our universe is Aaron... Um, Aaron Stack, the machine man, who was a member of the next wave, also a synthetic being. He went into the Marvel Zombies universe and was immune. Yeah. Why was he immune, but the alternate universe vision not immune? Exactly. What yeah. happened? And that, that's where it broke the concept, because you have to make expectations. You have to say, oh, well, they came to Florida, but they never got out of this, this area of swamp. Exactly. Well, it took them three days to take over the entire alternate universe. Right. Three days. Maybe it's a small planet. It's not a small planet. It's exactly like <laughs> our world. Except I mean, it took, Ash, it took Ash and the Scarlet Witch a couple of hours to fly from New York to Liberia. And by then it had already been infected. Exactly. These are the things that you have to ask yourself. Yep. What happens if a zombie bites Pietro Maximoff? I don't know. Super fast zombies. Zombie Quicksilver runs around the world, bites everyone he wants. Yep. Well, I guess for me, I don't want to see any more Marvel zombies. I like the first first collection. I thought it was a fantastic story. And for me, I say that that is a must-read. If This is one of those books that will be long remembered as something special and something that people will want to read at some point. And so I think Marvel did an 
did an excellent job in it. I thought Robert Kirkman did an excellent job in it. I thought the art was fantastic with uh, Sean Phillips and Arthur Sudam. And uh, and so I'm giving it a big, big, big thumbs up. It's something that you guys really need to go out and read. Now, caution, if you're squeamish about blood and guts and you don't like seeing people be ripped uh, from limb to limb, you probably don't want to read it. But if you can get past that, you're going to enjoy this series. Rodrigo? Uh, I I really enjoyed it. It did a lot of things for me. It made me feel very uncomfortable at times, which, you know, a... a the mark a, of a successful yes, series. A, a good, solid theater, theater of violence look at this will tell you that is exactly what I was supposed to be feeling. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction between the characters. I liked all the little cameos in the back. I mean, seeing the zombie runaways was pretty great. <laughs> um... I, this is zombie uh, old lace. Yeah, if you if you like the Marvel universe, if you consider yourself a Marvel, um, then pick up the the first volume of Marvel Zombies. You will enjoy it, even if you don't want to. Matthew, my advice would be this: I look at it from my historical perspective. I I think you're right up to a point. It will definitely be remembered, but I think it's going to be remembered. Kind of as a novelty, like um, all of the 60s camp spy books, like The Inferior Five, or, you know, where Aquaman was fighting the evil agents of Ogre. Right. But it will be remembered, and the original series is very good. And Marvel Zombies vs. Army of Darkness is only, like, one step down from that level of quality. Still wonderful art, still clever as hell, and it's got, you know, Bruce Campbell in it. And Howard the Duck. <laughs> Bruce Campbell makes anything better. Yes, and zombie Howard the Duck biting the head off Ash is like the best cliffhanger ever. If you actually go way back in the archives, you can find my responses, um, my original reviews, although I believe that... The images they, are no yeah, longer there. Well, the images don't need to be there. But <clears throat> I was going to say, I believe that uh, the original Marvel zombie series isn't there, but Army of Darkness is and Dead Days is. Definitely, you know, check it out and see if it's if it's worth it. Definitely thumbs up for me, simply because it's fun, and it shouldn't be. <laughs> it should be awful. It should be horrible to watch. It should be disgusting, and it should be bad. Honestly, but it's like, not. This 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 did not have any right to be as good as it was. Yeah, and there are about ten ten fifteen pages where Machine Man is in the zombie alternate universe in Marvel Zombies 3, where he basically opens up his Swiss Army body, starts chopping up zombies, steals zombie Ghost Rider's motorcycle, and takes off at a dead run laughing at the fleshy humans and talking about where he needs beer. that are actually pretty good, but definitely the original five-issue series is excellent. All right, Matthew, Rodrigo, thank you so much for being a part of the show this week. And listeners... No, 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 no. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. You know what? How about we thank the listeners for being such great yeah. listeners and thank always coming back. Thank you and everybody that looks like you. Well. <laughs> You're a unitard. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for visiting our show this week, taking a listen. If you would, head over to the iTunes. Give us some of those five-star reviews for Major Spoilers. We really like it when you do. It gives us a reason to continue week after week, sometimes twice a week. And speaking of twice a week, this weekend on the Major Spoilers podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, some films of John Carpenter. You'll want to tune in for that. Woohoo! What's that? Kill audio. 
Yeah, Kill Audio will also be talking about that. Uh, head over to the Majorspoilers.com website for more news, reviews, and, of course, spoilers. Things that rhyme with ooze. Check out the forums. Check out Critical Hit, the Major Spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Oh, man, we got so much stuff going on in the Major Spoilers experience. If you are part of the full Major Spoilers experience, then you are a true Major Spoilers Legion of Spoilerite, or something like that. Then Next truly, week. you are a spoilerite guy, man. Dude. <laughs> can I be matter eater spoilerite? Yes, you can really be matter eater spoilerite. Next week, we're going back to DC. We're going to be taking a look at Justice League, a Midsummer's nightmare. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. We'll talk with you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Major Spoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Major Spoilers. Fat Dick's Ray Vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge chance? Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Start raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.